When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everyone, to yet another edition of Celtics Beat. It is Saturday, October 4th. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading the show. It is me, Larry H. Russell. I'm flying solo once again, hosting the show. we got another good show once again. Media Day has come and gone, and we are going to be discussing Media Day and other NBA Media Days with Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. We'd like to welcome back Sean. I believe this is the third time we've had him on. And we're ready to talk about the Boston Celtics on the show. As I mentioned, Media Day has come and gone. We had our team down there, Jared Weiss. If you want to check out all of the videos and everything else from Media Day, you can log on to clnsradio.com. I know we've had many columns up. And obviously the videos, where do you get those? Oh, jeez. YouTube.com slash clnsradio. That is YouTube.com slash clnsradio. Certainly a lot to talk about, and I hate to do it. I really, really hate to do this, but yes, we're going to have to start out with Rajon Rondo talk. Any news? Oh, geez, he only broke his hand. Out four to six weeks, out six to eight weeks. He says he's not going to miss any games. He could be ready for the start of the season. I really don't care at this point. I've just gotten so sick and tired of everything involved with him. There was rumors of him at a trampoline park, getting hurt off doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And I know there's probably going to be people that say, hey, geez, you know, the guy's allowed to have allowed to have some fun. To an extent, uh, you know, the guy's making tens of millions of dollars. He has an obligation to the Celtics. He has an obligation to fulfill that contract. He has an obligation to be on that court for the paying customers like me who pay for season tickets and for the organization itself that sign his paychecks. So... Sorry, um, if he was doing that, I mean, he, he really can't. He really can't. It's, I, I, one scenario I liken back to is Aaron Boone playing pickup basketball. You and me, we can go down, we can play pickup basketball. If we get hurt, we miss work. You know, hey, we get workers' compensation. But uh, I'm pretty sure you and me aren't making 10, 11, 12, 20 million in a season just to play a game. So. I don't know what the case with Rajon Rondo was. I'm just sort of throwing that out there. If he did get hurt in the trampoline park, it's just like, oh, jeez, you know. But if he didn't, I don't know. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I- I'm very skeptical of the story, slipping in the shower, or slipping, doing whatever. It's just, that just doesn't make sense to me. I heard there were some rumors that the injury occurred by having a closed fist. So <laughs> you have that out there. Either way, I- I'm going to throw it out there. I think it really is time to cut the cord with Rajon Rondo, whether it's now or whether it's the end of the year, whether it's around the trading deadline, whether it's the best offer available. I think this is Antoine Walker circa 2002-2003 all over again. This guy has peaked as a player. His value is only going to go down every single day. Not every single day. Hopefully he comes back. Hopefully he plays a little bit better. Certainly far better than he did last year. But he's approaching 30. I've written about this in years past. If you go back, you look at my columns from you know around 2012-ish, around the Eastern Conference Finals, before the Eastern Conference Finals, going into that 2012-2013 season when you had Doc Rivers, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett saying he's our leader. He was the best player in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. He carried us, and they were handing him the, the, the keys to the team. And I said, all right, this is it. This is go time for Rajon Rondo. Either he got much better over that summer or the prior summers. He worked on his fundamentals. He worked on shooting. He worked on his mental toughness. I mean, he was always, I thought, a poor player at the end of games. I have statistics to back it up. I don't have to get into all of them. You can just check out my columns under my name, Larry H. Russell, which is located on CLNSradio.com. So did he get better at those things over the years? No. And what it see? This guy, this kid has been in the league since the fall of 2006. Now, let's see, fall of 2006. We were getting ready for the Bush midterm elections when the Democrats were running on the platform of out of Iraq. That was certainly a long, long time ago, people. 
fall of 2006. I don't think he's any better than what he was, see, certainly around 2008, 2009. In fact, I think he's worse. And if he's not getting better in the basic fundamentals, if he's not improving stuff like his jump shot, free throw shooting, which is very important in terms of situations at the end of games, how is he going to get better as a player? How is he going to mask his now the fact that he's now going to lose athleticism? And the fact that he probably already has lost that athleticism from, I don't know, geez, tearing his ACL and now getting little nicks and bumps along the road with hamstrings in the years past, and now we have the broken hand. So he's approaching 30. You lose your agility as you get to 30 years old anyways. You can go back. You look at Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan. They were still great players post-30. Maybe not Wilkins. But their athleticism, their pure agility started to erode, and that's the case for every single human being. So now that Rondo's losing this, I don't know how effective he's going to be post-30. I really don't. He's a small guard. Look at even guys like Isaiah Thomas. Once they started getting banged up at the end of their career, Isaiah Thomas, when he was 32 years old, was finished. Done. Shoot, if you look look at like the two-guard position, guys like there's only been a very... Like, only guys like Jordan, Reggie Miller, and Ray Allen, who kept themselves in phenomenal physical condition, after 33, almost every two guard faded. So if you look at the list of small guards who rely on their quickness after the age of 30, 31, 32, they're not even just role players. They're almost just completely washed up. I could see the same thing happening with Rondo. Now, what do you do? First off, his value right now is, I'd say, almost next to nil because you have to look at the fact that there's really no one interested in him. Sacramento, we mentioned in the last week's show, me and Rich Conti, I'm sure there was a package out there. I think as scary as it is, at this point, I take it, you know, that Ben McLemore, maybe a draft pick or two, I think I'd jump all over it if you get a one or two first-round draft choices for Rajon Rondo. I think I really do because he's going to go to free agency I think he's going to get a max contract only because the New York Knicks are out there. Those damn morons, 250 miles, whatever, south of Boston, are just going to be the morons that they are, whether it's Phil Jackson, whoever's down there, James James Dolan. They're just going to be morons, and they're going to make Rajon Rondo a max player, and that's just going to completely just blow up his market value, even though that's obviously not truly what he is. But that's out there. So he's going to get the free agency. You could obviously maybe do a sign-and-trade in New York in the summer of 2015. You're not going to get much. you probably get something. But that's going to happen. You're asking me, what do I do? Unless there's an awesome package on the table right now, this very second, which is maybe a draft pick or two and maybe a decent player that you could turn into something, like that Sacramento deal that everyone was sort of laughing off six, seven months ago or even a few weeks ago, I think you take that. But here's the thing. Here's what I really don't want going into this season. I do not want the Celtics team to throw Marcus Smart into the fire. And one of the comparisons I'll use is you have sort of quarterbacks in the NFL. Everybody loves to compare quarterbacks in the NFL to point guards in the NBA. And I guess, you know, a point guard in the NBA is like a quarterback. And it is. It's true. They're quarterback in the team. So you have, you look back at quarterbacks in the NFL. For every Troy Aikman, who was thrown a fire on a terrible Dallas team, and they went through 1-15, he took his lumps, he threw a million interceptions, and they got incrementally better, and they became a dynasty, one of the best teams of all time, and and over about a three, four, five-year stretch. For every Troy Aikman, who got his ass kicked in his first year, there's Jamarcus Russell, there's Jeff George, and even Vinny Testaverde, when he was just getting banged around with the Buccaneers, and so many others. And these are talented guys with all the skills in the world. But mentally, they were just destroyed after that first year or two. Would this be the case with Marcus Smart? I mean, he's supposed to be a very mentally tough kid, whatnot. I don't know. But I'm not sure I'm willing to take that risk. I don't think there's... The team's rebuilding anyways. The team's going to stink this year anyways. It's 25 or 30 wins written all over it. I'm sorry. I'd love to say playoffs, but that's just reality here. Do I really want all this responsibility and all this burden on Marcus Smart? Do I really want this team to lose 55, 60 games and Marcus Smart being as prideful and as passionate as he is to start thinking that I have a lot to do with this losing and I was at Oklahoma State and we were doing pretty well? 
Do I really want that? I mean, as an as observer, and do Celtics fans really want that? And obviously, does the organization want that? I don't know. I think it's probably a better idea to bring that kid along slowly. Having a veteran presence around in Rondo, even though he's not the best veteran presence around, he's still a veteran presence who's won a championship, who's been the best player on an NBA Finals team or an Eastern Conference Finals team or one or first or second best. Just him having him around for a year or half a year or whatnot to even take the burden off Smart, to take the limelight off of Smart. This team's going to lose a ton of games. Rondo's there. The media can blame him. The screamers that we were talking about last week with Chad Finn, there's Rondo. You can blame Rondo. The team stinks. It's all Rondo's fault. He's never gotten better over these last seven, eight years. He doesn't want to be here. Whatever analysis you want to throw. And he can just sort of just take that light off a rookie. There's just You don't want all this pressure on all these rookies or second-year guys. So that, I think, is, and I mentioned this on last week's show, I think that's pretty valuable in itself just to keep Rondo on this team. So even if you do lose Rondo for quote-unquote nothing at the end of the year as a free agent, I still think there's some value in keeping him on the team and obviously to be patient and to keep as many forks on the road for this team and choose him as possible. Best case scenario, this team does pretty well. This team kind of sort of challenges for a playoff spot, and that's not as bizarre as it sounds. Eastern Conference stinks. Challenging, quote-unquote, for a playoff spot is 34-38 to 38 wins. I'd love to see out of this out of this team. I'd love to see Rondo having the, quote-unquote, as Danny Ainge said, best year of his career. I don't see that, but whatever. I'd love to see that, and I love that's That's great for these young players to grow. That's great, obviously, to build up their value, but I don't think it's going to happen. So we'll see. But I mentioned Media Day. I mentioned Jared Weiss. I mentioned all the stuff that we had on CLNSRadio.com from Corey Prescott, from Jess Thomas, from Eddie Santiago. Great stuff on the website. I'd say the one quote or the one video, if you'd like, and as mentioned earlier in the show, if you want to check out all of these raw, uncut videos, you can log on to YouTube.com slash CLNSRadio. I'd say the one real soundbite that jumped out at me was Coach Brad Stevens when he said, and Eddie Santiago put this in his piece as well on CLNSRadio.com, when Stevens said there's 14 guys on this team that can start. Not just, you know, seven, eight guys, which is a normal NBA rotation, especially for a good team. Most good teams, seven to eight, max nine guys. Brad Stevens, and I don't think he was blowing smoke here, so there's 14 players in this team that can start. Now, there's two ways to look at this. Is he trying to create a very competitive environment where he's got 14 guys busting their humps, trying to get a starting spot on the team, trying to get significant playing time? Or is that how he really feels? I think it is. I think it's a little bit of both. I think you've got a bunch of okay to good and obviously a few far lesser players in this team. But you have this roster is made up of 12 guys who fall into the okay to good category. So I think basically, to an extent, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's 14 guys who can start on the team, but it's most. Most of these players have a starting role on this team. Now, is this going to be an issue? I mentioned this sort of back when I was ranting about Evan Turner on this show a month and a half ago. I think it could be a mish issue if you have that mindset. I think it's, as I said, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You create a competitive environment. Early on, yes, you have training camp, you have 14 players, most of them are young players, they all want their playing time, they're all enthusiastic, they're all hopefully going to bust their hump to warrant seeing the floor. But could this become an issue? I, I mentioned this as earlier, mentioned this month and a half ago, or a month ago when I was talking about Evan Turner when he first signed, as the losses start to pile up. I think, yes, it could become a major issue. You're going to have player X thinking he's better than player Y. Why is player Y getting more playing time than me? Even though this team's losing, this team lost four games in a row. I think I should be starting. I think I can rectify that. I'm better than player Y and whatnot. I think that's, I mean, even last year, as this team was hovering around that 500 mark, they were playing well at the beginning of the year. They were playing hard. And he had guys like Courtney Lee complaining about playing time because they're wondering why certain you know players that and he's right certain players that are certainly at the very least on their pedestal getting far more playing time. So could you have that as an issue this year? Yes, you can. 
And that concerns me because I want to see this team take a step forward this year. You know, it doesn't have to be playoffs, but I don't want 24-25 wins. I don't want the team to go over on the Western Conference out, you know, when they travel. I don't want that. They need, they need to show some signs this year. They need to be a, they need to execute better at the end of games. They need to grow as a young team. I don't want to keep getting into this. We always do. But there's just certain players that need to make the step forward, certain players that need to exempt some leadership on this team. So, yes, this team needs to have some sort of set rotation this year, unlike they had last year. And it could certainly become an issue when you have 12 to 14 guys thinking that they should all see the floor over this guy and that guy. So that could be an issue in itself. But now you have guys really at the top. Now who are those guys? You like to think that it's Jared Sullinger. Who's going to take this team really by the horns? Unfortunately, the guys in this team, as of now, I just I don't think they're that good. I really like what I heard from Avery Bradley over the summer. He was very vocal. I mean, he said things like, you can't really agree with we're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. I obviously just don't see that. But I like that. I like that out of the kid. I think that this team, every good team, every team needs a good vocal leader that can just sort of rally the troops, especially when there's going to be adversities and there's going to be a ton of adversity this season. But the problem is, you know, Avery Bradley, he's a good role player. You can't, I mean, you got to have one of your best players on the team be that guy. You can certainly have a role player be a good vocal, a good voice, and I love that out of Bradley. But your quote unquote leader needs to hopefully be one of the three best players on the team when you're two best players on the team. Marcus Smart, I think hopefully he's going to be that a year from now, two years from now. And in college, we were talking with Jeff Goodman on this show a couple months ago. I mean, this guy was all over everybody. So, but the problem is Marcus Smart, he's just not there yet. At least we don't know unless he has, just has this incredible rookie season. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. So, as I mentioned earlier, it, it, you know, I hate to say it, it comes back to Jared Sollinger. It, it really does. And I think one thing that just sort of jumped, jumped out at me, I, Kevin O'Connor wrote a piece, I believe, this past Thursday, that Sollinger might not even start on this team. And it's true. I mean, you could just have Olenek who had a great finish of the season last year. And then, obviously, Tyler Zeller's your center. Looks that's what's going to be the case. But I think if Olenek's starting, as good as Olenek can be, Selinger can be better. I mean, he just has the skills and just the instincts that that Kelly Olenek, he'll just never, he'll never be able to attain. Just the... It's all in Jared Sullinger's hands, I hate to say. And this is obviously the issue of putting this much pressure on younger players when you don't have veteran players around you. But let's be honest. It's go time for Jared Sullinger. He's been on a good team. He's been around Kevin Garnett. He's been around Paul Pierce. He's been around Roger Rondo. He's been around Doc Rivers. He's been around champions. Last year, he came back. He was healthy, but he was out of shape. Did he, get a little bit, he got a little bit better last year, yes, but this year it's go time now. He said he got in much better shape. I've seen a few pictures. He's thinner, yes, I guess. I hope he lost body fat, though. I hope he didn't lose quote-unquote weight. I know he lost weight, but I hope that was mostly body fat. I hope cardiovascularized. He's much improved in that area. He can play a little bit more than 25 to 30 minutes a game effectively. He can be far more efficient on defensive rotations than he was last year. And he can hang with these big boys a little more because he certainly got banged around a little bit by certain players, especially more of those athletic stretch power forwards that can go out and shoot three-pointers as well. This is it. I mean, this is his true opportunity. Is he, can he make that stride? Can he? How about can he make that move that Al Jefferson made? Back in 2007, when he was sort of like decent, he'd have a good game here and there. Then there's other nights when you look at the box score, he had six points and three rebounds in 17 minutes and four or five fouls. You go, what was that? But then that year, that year before the Celtics traded him, he was nearly 20 to 10 every night. He developed a back to the basket game. I mean, he was just there every night for the team. The team snunk, but he made his move. He became a borderline all-star. Jared Sullinger has those skills. The reason why he fell in that draft, as we all know, is because of the injuries. Now, we think that he got it sorted out. He had that surgery over a year and a half ago now, almost two years ago now. He came back last year. The back, we assume, was mostly healthy. He had some nagging injuries during the season. But 
Health-wise, he looked fine. It was mainly conditioning-wise. Conditioning, did he, did he take that step? Cardiovascular-wise, did he take that step? Even skill-wise, did he make another leap? Did he, did, he have, did he sort of sharpen the edges to his game? I don't know because I haven't been following around this summer. We'll know, I think, the first preseason game, I think, is the sixth against Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, it's out there. Practice is the beginning. So this is it. Go time for Jared Sollinger. If he can, if Jared Sollinger truly is the key, if he can become 18 and 9, 20 and 10, 18, 19 PER, play defense well enough that to warrant that he's not just a negative player on the court where he's scoring 20 points on one end and not giving up 25 on the other end. Can he attack the offensive boards? Can he create second-chance opportunities for this team? Well, they're going to need second-chance opportunities for this team. He's got to be the guy. He has to, I think it would be a complete failure. Unless Olenek becomes Dirk Nowitzki, as Tommy Heinsohn alluded to last year, which we all know is just not going to happen. We know Olenek's ceiling. I'm one of the biggest Kelly Olenek fans as, as one can be. He's going to be a, a great sixth man, sort of off the change-the-pace guy off the bench. If Olenek is starting, as Kevin O'Connor alluded to, as a possibility for this season over Sollinger, and Sollinger sort of plateaued as sort of a nice, decent, okay player who can play in certain spots but can't play against certain guys, I think that's a huge failure. And you will see this team continue to struggle, and they'll once again have to look at finding another guy down low or finding another big man or either any sort of franchise or semi-decent franchise player. Because Sollinger is, A, hopefully they're going to be a piece that you can build around as a second or third guy. He, I don't think he can ever be the as best as, as much as he can improve. Or he's going to be that Al Jefferson circa 2007, as I mentioned earlier, where he made that big step, where he made becoming not a borderline all-star, but sort of just around that category, certainly of one of the three best players on a team. He needs to make that step, and that's how he can even develop, not as a leader, but there needs to be that guy, as I mentioned earlier, who can grab this team by the horns, because certainly we're not going to be Rajon Rondo, and you got guys like Marcus Smart, who are just too young at this point, and Avery Bradley, who we all like, who plays his butt off every night, but he's just a role player. He's, he's not a top three player on a team. Sollinger, this is it, man. Let's go. Let's go. This is this is what we're all watching this year. Rondo is sort of play out the string. Hopefully he does hopefully he improves as he gets back. Hopefully the team plays well with him on the floor as opposed to last year when they had a worse record with him than they did without him. Actually that was even the case two years ago as well, when they had Garnett and Pierce in that final season. So hopefully that's enough that they can maybe build up his value and yes, as I mentioned earlier. Cut the cord as they did with Antoine Walker in 2003 or just cutting the cord altogether because I think unless he just completely blows my mind away and and, and becomes that complete all-around player he can be and truly warrant a max contract and give you some sort of safety for him post-30, unless he can do that, which I don't think is going to happen. Cut the cord with him, move on with him, and see what you got. And as I mentioned, Selinger. He needs to make that step, and then if he makes that step, you hope to see guys like Olenek just get a little bit better, Smart get better as the season gets along, and then even Tyler Zeller develop into a decent player himself, and then hopefully you find something else on this team. And then maybe, yes, (laughs) you start building from there. Rome, hopefully, hopefully Rome is the end point, and as we all know, that's what it is with the Boston Celtics. All right, well, that's enough of that. That's enough of my initial thoughts of the 2015 Boston Celtics. You're certainly going to get a lot more of that and from our other personalities as the season goes on. This season on Celtics Beat, why don't we move forward to someone who sort of knows what they're talking about, maybe a little bit more than me, as he's around this team far more often. One of the best, not just writers covering the Boston Celtics, but in the NBA Sporting News is Sean Devaney. He's on the line right now. All right. So, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, longtime NBA scribe, best-selling author. Our interview with Sean is brought to you by the Baseline Podcast, hosted by Callie and Dime Magazine's Warren Shaw. 
The Baseline delves into the daily storylines that shape the NBA. That's The Baseline, released every Monday on iTunes and Stitcher, powered by CLNS Radio. Sean, once again, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to join the show, and it's actually the first time me and you have spoken together. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I don't want to get started on this, but I guess this is where we have to go. I know you were at Celtics Media Day the other day. And this is going to be the predominant topic from now until he's no longer here. I had to talk about him to open the show. we got to get started with Rajon Rondo. We've had you on the show now multiple times. I've always listening to you. I've always sort of understood that it, it, it feels like that you feel he'll be here past 2015. They'll give him close to a max contract. He wants to be here. Now with this broken hand and... The, the Jackie McMullen report that came out a few, a couple, about a month ago now. Do you still feel that same way, or how do you feel about Rondo's future here in Boston? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've, I've talked to people around him and close to him, uh, uh, you know, over the course of the summer and really even before that. Uh, and certainly, when you look at the things he has said uh, directly, uh, there's no indication that that the guy is eager to get out of here or anything like that. Now that could change. There's no question about that. Uh, things could go really bad this year. You know, things could start going bad with uh, uh, with Coach Stevens uh, if the team doesn't play particularly well, and and, and it looks like uh, the, the the current rebuilding plan might need uh, uh, some rethinking. All that stuff could change, but. Uh, uh, really, all along, uh, what Rondo has wanted is to have the Celtics to himself and 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 not play in the shadow of Pierce and Garnett and Ray Allen and have this be a team where he's the leader uh, and, uh, and and he can sort of forge his own legacy. He's wanted that all along, uh, and that, that, that really hasn't changed. And uh, to this point, the Celtics have wanted that as well. So, of course, they're going to listen to offers. Of course, things can change uh, going forward. But, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, a lot of the, uh, uh, the rumors that we've heard, uh, there hasn't been much to them. Now, but going forward, do you think that the Celtics are prepared to offer Rondo a max contract? Because I mentioned in the opening, he's going to get a max offer solely based on the fact that the New York Knicks, south of the border, they don't have the cap space that they can make a sign and trade happen, most likely, are going to offer Rondo a max contract. Do you think the Celtics are literally willing to offer Rajon Rondo a max contract next summer? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of that is going to depend on how he plays. Uh, and a lot of that is going to depend on, okay, can we get another Max guy in here uh, with Rondo? So I think that's that's really how it's going to play out is the Celtics are going to try to use all the assets they have over the course of this year to add another big-time piece. You know, obviously that was something they would have liked to have done uh, with Kevin Love. It just never really got close. Uh, never got beyond uh, uh, the talking stage with the Timberwolves, um, and, uh, and and the Celtics just didn't have anything that the Timberwolves really wanted. So, uh, but but you know that's that's the kind of deal that they would like to make uh, sometime in the next few months. You know, where you get a star who's unhappy uh, and, a, and a team really looking to unload, uh, uh, you know, a big time player in, in in return for some uh, uh, you know some long term assets. That's that's the kind of thing that the Celtics are looking for. Now, if that doesn't happen then they're going to have to rely on free agency, and that can be much trickier. Uh, but, you know, if, if keeping Rondo and paying him a max deal is going to help get, uh, you know, somebody like a, a, a Marc Gasol or, or somebody of that, of that caliber, uh, then that's what they're going to have to do. And, uh, you know, if it means overpaying Rondo uh, somewhat in the, in, in the short term here, uh, if that's what it takes to get that other star player here, uh, then that's something that they're just going to have to do. So there's still some options between now and then in terms of uh, uh, what might present itself in terms of a trade, but uh, uh, but certainly it's something that, uh, uh, that 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 the Celtics will do uh, if they feel like that's what they have to do. I also mentioned this in the opening as well, and I've mentioned this in columns I've written in years past, where. I was always worried about Rondo's game past the age of 30. And I mentioned this well well before he tore his ACL. And I mentioned this is at the absolute height of his game when he had that great run in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James and the Miami Heat. I was concerned about him past the age of 30. He's now, I believe he's 29. I think he's turning mm-hmm. 30 
or he's 28, turning 29 this season, and then turning 30 the following season, I'm pretty sure. I'm concerned about his game because he relies so much on that athleticism and that agility. Now, when that starts to erode, as it does for everybody in the world, as they approach the 30 years old, he's never really at any facets, basic fundamentals, or other facets to his game that he can rely on. I'm going to ask you personally, how effective do you think Rajon Rondo can be past the age of 30? Yeah, you 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 make a great point there and that is that you know he's he's talked a lot uh about uh, uh about wanting to uh, develop a better uh, perimeter jump shot, you know, whether it's a three-point shot or even just uh, uh you know that 16-footer. Um you know, that's something he's going to have to have uh in order to maintain some longevity in this league because uh you can't as you get older uh you, when you can't as you say you, if you're not relying on that athleticism anymore uh you've got to fall back i mean even michael jordan uh fell into that category uh and you know he became obviously very very good at it uh but you know he he really did make that transition from uh just a great athlete who could rely on that uh to a guy who uh, uh was was much better with the 16 to 18 footer uh, that's that's something where Rondo's going to have to get uh, much much better uh, in terms of that. Now, you know, in, in fairness to him, he has improved. It, it, it's it's still not a knockdown uh, shot, uh, but with the injuries that we've seen over the last two years, we really haven't seen uh, him uh, have the opportunity to really develop that shot and show that he can make it over and over and over again. Uh, he is up around forty percent or so when you look at uh, uh, if you break down his. Uh, uh, he's shooting, and you, and you look at that mid-range game, he's about 40%, which isn't bad. Uh, you'd like to see it maybe up around 45% when you're talking about those mid-range jumpers. That's that's a, a pretty good clip for, for a player like him. So uh, you know, there's a chance that he could get up there, and, and uh, uh, it's something that with the injuries, we haven't seen him consistently be able to do it. Uh, but that's, that's one of the things. When you look at this year for him, uh, that's one of the things that's going to be really critical. It's he's got to be able to show uh, that he can do that and that there's more to his game than just breaking down his man and creating plays uh, uh, by, by either getting to the basket or making passes. Well, call me a pessimist, but he's been in the league, what, eight, nine years now. And, yeah, he's gotten a little bit better with the shot, only be, I mean, because I mean, he just started out and you couldn't be in any worse. But, I mean, I remember the, the example I love to use is Derek Rose when he came in the league. He had nothing. And he, by year three, he was a great outside shooter, year four. So I'm just pessimistic now. He's, he's well into his career for uh, to sort of develop that in his game. But you mentioned how in the next few months, the Celtics could still possibly lo- be looking to add another star to pair with Rondo. You mentioned Marcus Sol's name. I guess it's sort of a twofold question. Who else could the Celtics add to pair with Rondo? And would this player X, this Marcus All, I, I guess, I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge seems to be available anymore. Would that be good enough? Because, to be honest, I'll raise my hand. I'm not even sure Rajon Rondo and Kevin Love, and maybe even a third star, would have been a championship core. No, and that's that's absolutely fair. Yeah, I, you know that 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 when this is part of the problem with with trying to rebuild in the NBA is that when you do pull the trigger uh, on on okay, who are my star players going to be? When you get yourself in that position, it might not be enough. You know, so you look at a team like Houston, which uh, you, you know goes out and gets James Harden, uh, and then is able to to lure Dwight Howard there, and you know, I mean, they they went to the second round last. Uh, I'm sorry, actually, they just went to the first round last year you know they get they get knocked out then so you know i mean uh, you you look at that you know you put in all that effort and 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 you have what you think of it is a championship team and you still lose in the first round so there's there's still going to be that uh uh that the, that possibility that no matter who you bring in uh it's not going to be enough uh there are going to be uh you know some uh uh, some, some, some real, you know, possibly great, uh, uh, players available, uh, in terms of the big guys. But like you say, a guy like Marcus All, uh, I, I'm sorry, not Gasol, but, but Marcus Aldridge, for it, for example, you know, is probably going to sign back. 
with uh, with with uh, uh, with Portland, and you're probably going to have Goran Dragic uh, resign with uh, uh, with with Phoenix. He's he's said he's going to, uh, but you know you, you're going to have a guy like Greg Monroe, you know, who's a who's a young big man who you can you can really uh, uh, start to do some things with. Uh, you know, is he a championship caliber player? You know, probably not. But I mean, you've got to start somewhere, and uh, you know that's that's sort of that's sort of where you are in terms of rebuilding. And not just for the Celtics, but for a lot of teams that are going to be in that situation, uh, you know, you're probably going to throw a lot of money at a guy who uh, uh, is a little bit of a gamble. Yeah, that doesn't really, really just stir up the excitement with me the same way as, you know, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett did seven years ago now. But let's shift more towards reality here instead of fantasizing about what players could be on the Celtics a few months from now. Reality is, Mark, um, excuse me, Rajon Rondo is likely out at the start of the season, no matter what he says, and that leaves Marcus Smart as the starting point guard as of now. That could change during training camp. I also mentioned this in the opening as well. I'm a little concerned about just giving the keys to Marcus Smart right away, and I kind of use the NFL quarterback as an example of guys like Jeff George taking a beating and then stinking the rest of their career. Do you think it's a little dangerous to just hand the keys to the team over to Marcus Smart on day one? Well, I, you know, I, I would say yes, except that, you know, it's it's sort of like, uh, um, you know, all right, you, you might have the Jeff George example, but if you've got, uh, uh, you know, a pretty good quarterback behind him, so he's only he's only out there getting slaughtered for the first couple of weeks of the year, and then, okay, then you've got a good quarterback who comes in, uh, once the uh, once the hand is all rehabbed, uh, and uh, and and you can get by after that. So uh, you know, I, I I don't have a problem with it, knowing that it isn't going to be the long term thing for this year. Um, but uh, you know, I agree with you that that you do want to bring a rookie along slowly. Um, you know, I think that that what I would rather see uh, for the Celtics. Uh, is is some of the other guys sort of uh, expand their game a little bit? So you know maybe you see something out of Evan Turner, maybe you see a little bit more out of Avery Bradley in terms of diversifying his game a little bit. And 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 the hope is that with some of these guys, uh, like I say, if, if if a star player can somehow become available uh, for a trade, uh, then 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 you have to hope that some of these guys, uh, in the absence of Rondo, and then when Rondo comes back can boost their value. That's what the Celtics found out when they went after Kevin Love was Minnesota didn't want anything that they had in their roster. So the Celtics are going to have to have somebody uh, step up and, 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 and sort of show some development, whether it's an Avery Bradley or, or, or Evan Turner. Uh, certainly Jared Sellinger is a candidate for that, Kelly Olenek. So that when they go to another team and say, okay, uh, you know, you've got a star player who wants out, we, we have these pieces uh, that the other team says, oh, you know, those pieces are actually interesting. So, you know, that, that wasn't the case this summer. I think with, with Rondo out and, and with, uh, you know, whether it's Marcus Smart or whoever, I think that, that you're going to need to see some of the young guys sort of take steps forward, uh, not so much just to make the team better uh, in terms of wins and losses, but to me, to make the team better in terms of trade value and, and what you might be able to get for these guys. I agree with you 100% there, and that's why I think it's very important that this team does take a step forward this season. I think that if a lot of these players sort of fizzle out, such as Jared Salinger, he comes back, he's sort of the same player as he was last year. Kelly Olenek gets maybe a little bit better, but doesn't make much of a leap himself. And guys like Avery Bradley, I love him to death, but he can't stay on the court. And this team is at 25, 30 wins again, and they look, and these players are exactly the same. You're right. No one's really going to want anybody, anybody on this team. I mean, a guy like Sullinger, I, I mentioned earlier, he's got to become what Al Jefferson was seven years ago when he was a 20 to 10 guy every single night. And I mean, he was just he was just a steady player. And and Minnesota looked at him as this guy could be a potential all star. He never I, ne- I don't think he ever got to as good as what Minnesota thought he would be. But he was already very good. And there was that potential there. Right now, you still have guys like Sullinger there. They're just potential. Now, you were at Media Day, and I was watching our Raw Uncut videos on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Radio. And the one really soundbite that jumped out to me was Brad Stevens when he said at his press conference at Media Day, when he said there's 14 guys that could start on this team. Now, that could be just coach speak or whatnot. 
But it also could be the truth. I mean, it very well is the case. I mentioned earlier how there's a ton of guys on this team that are just okay to good players. Do you think that saying there's 14 guys that could start on this team and really having no rotation at all, is that good, healthy competition? Or is that like a recipe for disaster for some unhappy campers on this team? Yeah, you know, you you, you make a good point there. And that is I I still think that Brad sometimes takes – uh, the collegiate mentality, uh, you know, when he's talking to us and, and he doesn't, uh, you know, sort of factor in uh, that, you know, players are going to interpret what he's saying. And, and uh, you know, if I'm a guy like uh, Jeff Green or Avery Bradley who who's expecting to start, uh, you know, and you hear that, you're kind of, you know, all right, is that just a cliche or is he serious about that? And, and uh, you know that's that's not necessarily how you, the, the the tone you want to set. I think I think it's something that you can say uh, uh, in a, in a collegiate environment. Uh, but I don't think that that with professionals, uh, you know, where, where you really do have to form these roles uh, and form them early and 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 really hammer them. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily something you want you want to put that way. Uh, so you know, I I, I my my guess is that. Uh, uh, that it's pretty much coach speak, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that, that you've got to have, uh, a pretty good idea of, 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 of who your starters are going to be. Um, you know, except maybe the front court, there's obviously some, some competition there, but, uh, uh, for the most part, uh, I think you know who the starters are going to be at, uh, uh, at, at least four of the positions. Uh, and then, and then you kind of go from there, but, yeah, you know, sometimes I think uh, I think Brad Stevens still does speak like a college coach, and 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 he's got to uh, he's got to understand that uh, uh, that that things do get interpreted, and and that maybe he shouldn't do that. So you pretty much believe that there will be some rotation. Last year there really wasn't much of rotation, I and mean, you had guys like Chris Humphreys, who you know I didn't even know that was on the team for the first few weeks of the season. Next thing you know, he was their first big man off the bench, and actually. It, ended up developing into their best big man. Do you have any early predictions on the rotation or will there even be a rotation? Could it really truly be 12 guys, you know, like a YMCA YMCA league seeing much playing time? Yeah. You know, I mean, if I, if I had to take an early guess, you know, I, 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 and again, I think a lot of this Larry is based on, uh, how are we going to build this team for the future? Not necessarily, you know, who do we need to play right now to gain experience, et cetera, but, but who can we kind of build up? So maybe we can include him in a trade, you know? So uh, I think, I think, you know, Brandon Bass starts, uh, uh, you know, a power forward or, or you might have Tyler Zeller, I think, uh, is is a real possibility to start at center. Uh, and, you know, I mean, those are guys who, you know, are, pretty good trade chips, you know? So uh, I, you know, I think that, uh, that, 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 you know, maybe in the long term you might want uh, Jared Sollinger in there starting, but if you, if, if you think that, that he's somebody who you're going to keep long term, then maybe you want to, what you want to do is, is showcase the other guys a little bit uh, and, uh, and, and approach things that way. Uh, you know, certainly look, there's going to be open competition uh, uh, for some spots, but, uh, you, you know, I mean, you, you didn't sign Avery Bradley to that contract uh, to put him on the bench. Uh, you know, Jeff Green gets the contract that he's got. Uh, you know, he's not going to be on the bench. Obviously, Rondo's not going to be on the bench. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I do think that in terms of the rotation, I think that that uh, trade value is going to be a, a factor uh, in terms of how you set up this team and, and, and who gets what in terms of minutes. Brandon Bass. Home is on the market in Needham. Some of these veterans, how desperate are the Celtics from what you've heard in terms of getting rid of a Brandon Bass or even a Jeff Green, who I believe can opt out at the end of this year and most likely, and for my sake, hopefully does? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the, 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 there's no question that that they would like to find a way to to package these guys and 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 and, and kind of take what is uh, sort of a mess of a roster in some spots. Uh, you know, where you have a lot of repetitive parts or or guys who are are good at one fact one factor and and not so good in another aspect. You know, 
you really want to find ways to get more complete players on this roster, and and that's what they're lacking. And if they can package together some of these, uh, uh, you know, random sort of pieces and 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 bring back players who can, uh, uh, you know, who can contribute in multiple ways, that's that's going to be the the, the a number one priority. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, a, a guy like Brandon Bass is going to have value. They certainly were close to moving him at different times last year, and. Uh, uh, and and there were teams interested that just weren't able to, uh, to 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 get everything to line up just right. Uh, but uh, you know there, there there are definitely pieces on this roster that that other teams will have interest in. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, of 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 finding the right deal. And and sometimes you know teams love to talk talk talk, and that's what uh, uh, that's what I you know try to hear and report and all that stuff. But it's it, it can be a long way between the talk and the pulling of the trigger on a deal. There's no question about that. That's something that uh, uh, that that if you pay attention to uh, the NBA rule mill, you're you're well familiar with that. So from what I really garner from you is a successful season for the Celtics in the organization's mind would just be certain players improving, some of the young players improving, and the veteran players such as Bass and Jeff Green and, God forbid, even Jared Wallace playing well enough so they could shed them, and obviously the younger players playing well enough so they could be packaged in a deal. Is is that what I'm getting at here? Yeah, I, I would say that if if you can see those things happen, you see Rondo return to you know a level uh, that he was at uh, before the ACL uh, injury. I think you really want to see Brad Stevens uh, uh, take step forward, steps forward as a coach as well, so that when you go to uh, you know if if you don't get the opportunity uh, to make a trade for somebody. If you do wind up going into free agency, you can say, hey, look, we're gonna, you can go to whichever big guy you want or, or whichever star player you're, you're trying to lure, and you can say, look, we've got a promising young coach. We won, you know, 38 games last year, whatever, whatever it's going to be. Uh, you know, we're, we're on the upswing here, uh, and, and, and Rondo is going to be, you're going to have a, uh, you know, a great passing point guard uh, making plays for you. Yeah, that's the pitch you want to be able to make. And if you if you don't if you're not able to make that pitch, if some of those uh, you know you know if some of those uh, aspects don't come true, uh, then it, it it makes it very tough. It, it's a thin margin of error. There's no question about it. But uh, uh, but you know, rebuilding in the NBA that's that's what it takes. It can be it can be difficult. Sean, I'm going to get you out here on this. Basically, I'm going to say, what do you think is the threshold win-loss-wise for a successful season? You know, I, I think 35 wins is is sort of the minimum that they need to uh, to show enough improvement from last year to where you can say, okay, uh, you know, things are things are are, are are headed in the right direction. Um, you know, as we've been talking, you know, that that would be a, a 10 win improvement, and obviously, uh, you know, 10 more wins after that, you get to 45 wins, and and you're back in the in the postseason mix. But you know, I think you need to show that 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 that, that significant jump. I think at least a 10 win jump uh you need to show that uh and and like i said there's there's a lot of other things within that that you want to see in terms of individuals in terms of uh uh you know contracts and and uh, uh sort of the business side of things uh but i think you need to see at least a 10 win improvement in order to say okay things are things are going in the right direction uh let's go out and hit the free agent trail and 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 try to bring in the kind of players who can take us to that next 10 wins so we get 45 wins and we're back in the mix here Sean Devaney, Sporting News. You can follow Sean on Twitter, at Sean Devaney. That's his name, no underscores at all. Sean, once again, thanks so much for taking the time, man, to be on the Celtic Speed on CLNS Radio. Okay, Larry, thanks for having me. All right, there he goes, Sean Devaney of Sporting News. As stated, you can follow him on Twitter at Sean Devaney, and you can check out all of his great stuff at sportingnews.com. Very few people in the NBA as well-connected as him. It's very interesting the things that he had to say. I think right off the bat that what jumped right out at me with the fact that Celtics are still players for a quote-unquote second star or that other transformative player with Rondo on the team. With this Rondo injury now and with the fact that I'm just very skeptical of his game going forward, I'm not sure that's the play anymore. I'm not. Sh- I was all for Kevin Love. I was gung ho for Kevin Love the su- over the summer as much as anybody was. I look back on it now. 
I say to myself, Rondo, Kevin Love, even a third star, even a Carmelo Anthony, the ultimate dream scenario for the 2015 Boston Celtics. He mentioned the Houston Rockets example. I think that's the perfect example. I think that would, the, the Celtics would become the Houston Rockets team all over again. They'd be a max 50-55 to 55 win team, but they'd never be enough because I don't think of those three guys, and mainly because of Rondo, you would have that one guy that could really take the team by the horns. It would probably be Love. But with Love, I, I don't think having Rondo as his Robin, to his Batman, would be enough. Love, I think, would have to have another very good player. I mean, he's got LeBron James now. It doesn't get any much better than that. He would have to have another elite player. As I've stated in this show, it seems like a million times now, as I stated years ago, as I stated recently, he's just not that player. I think the Celtics have to cut the cord moving forward, and I think part of cutting that cord is aborting the fireworks plan that Rick Rosbeck has mentioned numerous times of getting that guy to pair with Rondo. Because you don't want to go, you don't want to bust with this. You don't want Rajon Rondo blowing this whole rebuilding situation apart. And they've done a great job at it in this year and a half. And they've, they've made great moves. But if you don't make that key, if that if key or key moves aren't the right moves at the end of the day to cash all these poker chips, this whole thing was a waste of time. So patience, patience going into the season, I think. As Devaney stated also, very important some of these guys build their trade value. Part of building that trading value is winning basketball games because the good play is going to contribute towards that. Building trade value some of these guys, moving some of these guys away, moving some of these, as you said, quote-unquote, random pieces, moving them along to get, to get players to fit on a winning team. So, for better or worse, that's what this season is going to be all about. It's going to be quote-unquote, another experiment season. Hopefully this experiment is a little more enjoyable to watch as I'm not one of those people who would like to see this team lose 60 games again and get the draft pick. But hey, in the words of Bill Belichick, it is what it is. Okay, so before we get into around the NBA in five, as we've talked about the Celtics predominantly the entire show, hey, it's called Celtic Speed for a reason, I guess, how can I forget to mention, obviously, the free ticket giveaway to any Boston Celtics home game during the 2014-15 NBA campaign? How do you enter this contest? All you have to do is subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes and Stitcher. On our October 26th show, we will pick a winner, read that live review on air, and let said winner pick any game of their choosing that is at the TD Garden this year, any Celtics game of their choosing in Boston, whether it be LeBron James and the Cavaliers, Joe Schmo and the Charlotte Hornets, Tim Duncan and the defending champion San Antonio Spurs, Kevin Durant and the Oklahoma City Thunder. You want to see Kobe Bryant one last time, the Los Angeles Lakers, whatever you want. You can pick any game you want to go to, two tickets. Simply enter by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Celtics Beat on iTunes and Stitcher. We know you listen to the show. We love any help you can get. And we love to make someone's day by giving them a free pair of tickets. And lastly, I'd have to mention Patreon for CLNS Radio. You know, for over six years, CLNS Radio has been offering you free exclusive content on your favorite sports teams. So this, in 2014, 2015, CLNS has its biggest plans to date. With a mobile app in the works, our website optimized to being lightning fast, our equipment upgrades, and more HD premium exclusive rock and content from the TD Garden. That's down there, Jared Weiss. We now need your help. So show your support for CLNS Radio, our staff of volunteer writers and podcast hosts, by going to www.clnsradio.com slash patrons. That's www.clnsradio. Dot com slash P-A-T-R-O-N-S. And sow your support by keeping CLNS Radio free. No amount is too little. Whether it's $5, $10,000, whatever you want to give, anything would be much appreciated. Even the pats on the back that I get for hosting and executive producing the show I get is very much appreciated. All right, finally, here we go. Around the NBA in five. Let's start. I'm doing this all by myself. So we got to start it off. LeBron James. We always start it off with LeBron James, right? 
mentioned earlier this week that he was unhappy in Miami's decision to cut or slash amnesty Mike Miller last summer. We all know LeBron James is very close to Mike Miller. Mike Miller got that mid-level exception contract or whatever. Or actually, it was a $9 million contract from Miami when LeBron, Wade, and Bosch first teamed up in the summer of 2010. LeBron, business is business. They amnestied Mike Miller so they could pay you when you were a free agent or when they expected you to opt out, as you did in the summer of 2014. So can you really have it both ways? You mentioned how you wanted to be a max contract player. You are a max contract player. You're one of the five best players of all time already. You're probably going to be one of the one, two, or three best players of all time when it's all said and done. You assume you're a max player. The reason why they did that to Mike Miller was so they can pay you that money without going into the luxury tax and maybe get players who are a little bit better than Mike Miller because at this point in his career, Mike Miller doesn't have much left in the tank. So, LeBron, I mean, I know he was your friend and everything, but it's a business. So, unless you wanted to donate money to Mike Miller or pay Mike Miller under the table, which is actually illegal in NBA rules, the Heat had to do what they had to do. Obviously, it's a little other Celtics news this week. I'm somewhat upset about it. Chris Johnson, he was claimed off waivers by the 76ers. I'm not, Chris Johnson's no make or bake player, but I thought just because he had a poor summer league, I didn't think that should really translate into really hurt, hurting him in terms of making the roster. I thought he played very well last year in the midst what he was given. And when that team was pretty much tanking at the end of the year, this guy was busting his hump in that final stretch of the season. He had a great stretch. I likened him to Adrian Griffin, Bruce Bowen. I really hope that that's not the case here with Chris Johnson, where he could develop into a solid, decent role player. It's too bad he's going to Philadelphia where they're just going to be doing the same thing. They're just going to be shuffling in parts and shuffling out parts. He would have been perfect on San Antonio. I think he would have found a little niche there in San Antonio. He's a winner. He would have been just like Bruce Bowen. Good defensive player. Early on with the Celtics, he was hitting that corner three-pointer. I know it kind of faded there at the end of the season, but I I like the kid. He has a spot in the NBA, and you need players like that on a winning team. You can't have... Everybody thinking that they are 35-minute-a-game guys who deserve usage rates of 20. Chris Johnson, you just you, you think I think he could develop into being one of those little things types of players. So I was somewhat upset to see the Celtics cut him so quickly after that Keith Bogans trade where they brought in those unguaranteed contracts. I really thought Johnson was someone who could stick around with the Celtics and be on a decent team. Lawrence Frank finally got bought out by the Brooklyn Nets and sure enough there he is he's catching on with Doc Rivers in Los Angeles here's is this a step forward for Doc to move to the front office I think that's possible I really think that Doc has had the front office in his mind for a long time much easier schedule much easier travel schedule I know his kids are a lot older than they were five years ago when he was really thinking about walking away from the Celtics because his kids he wanted to see he wanted to see his kids grow up, and now they pretty much have. He got a, one who's basically he's in the NBA, but he's not really in the NBA, and he's got a very good volleyball player for a daughter. So, uh, you know, I could see Doc Rivers moving the front office. I know one of the reasons why he moved to LA away from the Celtics was because he wanted a bigger role in the front office. So this could be a precursor for sure. Rivers sort of grooms Frank to become the Clippers coach, and Rivers moves upstairs. Let's get now to Paul George, cleared to put weight on his leg. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I am still someone who has not seen the Paul George injury. Yes, I refuse to watch it. I heard it wasn't that bad, but my mention was the kid down in Louisville whose name slips my mind right now. I, I never want to watch those injuries. I saw Theismann's injury. So because I saw Theismann, I'm saying I'm not watching that injury ever again. When that kid for Louisville hurt himself, I, I still have not seen it. I will not see it. I will not allow myself to see it. It's disgusting. I know Paul George wasn't as gruesome, but it was still a bad injury, and I don't. I, I actually don't know because I haven't seen it, and I don't want to see it, but I do hope the best for him. And then recently, in the past few days, he's come out and he said that he may return for the playoffs. Take it easy, Paul. You had a terrible injury. If you could come back 100% and you can't, no, I can't say you can't re-injure it, but if, you, if you're not 100%, don't come back for a non-contending Indiana team. I know you don't want the whole year off. That's a lot of missed basketball. I know that's hurt players like Derrick Rose and whatnot. But you have a life after basketball as well. You don't want to be walking around, you know, wheeling around in a wheelchair the rest of your life. And one more quick topic here. Todd Gibson, reported by Comcast out in Chicago, unhappy with his backup role. Todd, what do you think you are? You're not Carl Malone. You're a good, solid player on a very good team, and you are on a very good team in Chicago. 
Be happy with what you got. You're making a lot of money. You're on a good team. You're living in a world-class city. Easy. If you want to go start, go complain, and maybe you can go get traded to Charlotte. All right, well, that's going to do it for Around the NBA in 5. And, yes, that is going to do it for yet another edition of Celtics Beat. Great show once again. Oh, I had a lot of fun hosting a solo. I'm probably doing a little more often. I wish I can. I think I got to do a little politicking to do so, but I had a lot of fun. I love hosting with Rich Conti. I love hosting with Dr. Andre Snellings. We have other guys, Jared Weiss. They do a great job. But hey, 60 minutes to mic all to myself. I can let it all air out. I hope you enjoyed it. So let's go. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Chuck Dietz, Astra Vex, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. We'd like to thank our guest, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. Awesome job as always, Sean. Can't wait to have you back on. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, executive producer, that is I, Larry H. Russell, and also the host of the show. See you next Saturday for another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio. 